Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we are off. Um, we are using a, a new platform. Um, so I hope our listeners uh, will will get the benefit of consistent audio. No issues here. Um, but Maddie and I have been dabbling a little bit in Americana music and spoken to a few different artists over the past few months. And um, we are thrilled to have Jared Dickinson here today. Uh, he's coming off tour with Dylan LeBlanc. Um, he's had a couple of weeks, hopefully putting your feet up. Um, I found Jared uh, on Instagram, and I'm sure they know the algorithm, and they gave me a cover of Jim Croce, Don't Mess Around uh-huh. with Jim, and it is incredible. And is that your wife, Claire, singing with you? It is. Yeah, that's that's Claire. It's awesome. So thanks for joining us, Jared. Glad yeah, to man, be here. Great to have you. We've come a um, long way since Zencaster, Gibby. I know, I know. We're, <laughs> we're moving Look up in the world. Um, I'm proud of it. Um, yeah. So, Jared, tell us a little bit about the road and and the tour you just did. Like, how long the the um, tour lasted for you guys? Yeah, we uh, we were just out for uh, just about two weeks uh, with Dylan LeBlanc. Um, nice way to start the start the year off. We yeah. I think we did Asheville, DC, and then kind of worked our way up the East Coast and then over to the Midwest. Um, 11 shows I think in total with him and then a couple of our own kind of sprinkled in um it was great I mean he's he's such a killer songwriter great musician great performer um he's got a rocking band out with him right now um so yeah I mean the the shows were really fun great way to kick off the year um we we would have loved to have continued (laughs) and and then you know still been on the road he's out west right now um but uh we had a blast so hope, hopefully we'll do some more shows with him down the line were there any venues there that you were like oh this is an awesome place i've never played there or that are your favorite um to play on the road uh yeah there there were a few that we had never done um turf club in uh, uh st paul um yeah. was one that i had heard about for years seen on yeah. other other people's calendars um, and it just never made it over there. And it, it was a really, really cool place. Uh, night before that, we were at a place called Cactus Club in Milwaukee. That was another cool, cool, uh, really small venue. Um, and then, I mean, there were a bunch. The Drake in Toronto, um, which has been around forever. Great spot. Um, yeah, there, there were a lot of good ones on this run. A uh, place we played in Asheville is a new place called Eulogy. Um mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of partnered with a with a brewery, uh, Burial Brewing. I think, yeah, that's right. Eulogy Burial. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that checks. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, all, all all the shows were great, um, but some really really cool venues that we hadn't done before, and then several that we had. So um, yeah. yeah, it was good. 
So you've, I, I was reading a little bit in your bio too, because I was going to ask essentially like, you know, what's the largest venue you've played at this point and sort of like, you know, where have you gone to in terms of your career and the road? You've yeah. gotten a little love in the past too from folks like Bonnie Raitt, Don McLean. Like you've definitely caught the attention of some some pretty big names out there. What's what's it been like sort of, you know, everybody that we talk to in music says it's not a linear path. It really no. is asymmetrical, like ups, downs, like, you know, you, you try to figure it out. What's your journey? If you could summarize it, I don't want to make you go on forever. But like, what's your journey been like? What's that felt like for you? Oh, man, ask me on any particular day. and I'll <laughs> um, It's uh, sometimes it's hard to to see it for what it is you know because you're you're in the middle of the struggle yeah. um but when you when you kind of take a step back we, we have gotten to do some incredible things in um you know in a, in a relatively short space of time i've probably been touring and all of that maybe for 14 years or something like that okay. isn't yeah. just a huge amount of time it's not nothing yeah. uh, but uh, but yeah we we've toured with bonnie Raitt, like you said don mcclain Water Boys, um, plenty of, you know, uh, Amanda Shires, we did a run with last year. She was amazing. Um, other heroes of mine, like Jimmy Vaughn, uh, John Hammond, uh, you know, we, we've gotten to do some pretty cool shows. Um, and as far as venues go, the tours with Bonnie, Don McLean, Water Boys, uh, yeah. all of those were in, in the UK or Europe. Uh, yeah. And we were playing just beautiful old theaters you know 2000 seaters that's cool um, which is really special <laughs> yeah you know I'd, I'd love to be doing that more often um, the energy from that is probably like it, it, i would imagine that you're on stage and that many people are kind of like listening to you play it kind of gives you a little extra juice oh yeah definitely i mean it's it's a it's a cool feeling to walk out one just to a couple thousand people i mean that's yeah I haven't Great. done it enough times for, for that to not feel cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and being able to win over an audience like that feels great. You know, when, when right. you, you know, you, a show like that, they aren't there for the opener. So yeah, if, if you can get them to pay attention, if you can get them engaged and by the end of your, you know, 30 or 40 minute set, feel like you've won them over. It's great. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an intoxicating feeling. Um, yeah. And those rooms are special, you know, they sound really good. They're beautiful to look at. Um, you know, we're, we're lucky to, to have done a few of those. Um, I'm curious too, like, cause you've, you've got a big international following. Um, did you anticipate that? Was it just from going out on these tours where it started to, to really grow? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you, you go wherever the opportunities are, you know, and, yeah. and um, at one point I got an opportunity to go tour the UK, uh, opening for a guy named David Ford, English singer songwriter, who's phenomenal, great writer, great performer, um, who's since become a, a very dear friend of mine. Um, that was really what kind of opened the door for me to tour in the UK playing, uh, you know, 250 cap rooms with him. Uh, I think the London, London show was more like 500. Um, so good, you know, great crowds and a great introduction. Um, and then from there, I just kept going back, kept going back, playing my own shows, pitching for every support tour I could, um, and slowly building it. And, and thankfully, we were able to build, you know, a, a humble but very loyal following. 
um, and that kind of paved the way to, to land some of those bigger support tours, um, like we just talked about. And yeah, you know, it, all, it all snowballs. Um, obviously, we could we could use a few more of those, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> a few of them over here would be good. It's gonna happen, and um, and I, I'll get into Big Talk in a second. The yeah. album from that you released in 2023. But I'm curious. Also in your bio, you it mentions that you know you started playing guitar in like your senior year of high school. I started my junior year of high school and I'm miserable <laughs> at, at playing guitar. Um, and it was just to impress Kathy Philbin, but I don't know that it worked. <laughs> so clearly it did. <laughs> no, it didn't. Um, so I'm curious. Like, did you know when was it, that it clicked? Like, oh my gosh, I. I'm, I want to be a musician or I'm going to go out and, and pursue this as sure, a potential sure. career. Um, yeah, it, it certainly didn't start that way. Um, you know, music was always around when I was a kid. My, my dad's a big music fan. Um, so I kind of grew up listening to his record collection and it was always playing around the house or in the car. And, and so it was always a, a very present thing, but it, it was never something that I considered that I could do. You know, yeah. that was, those people do that. Right. I, I just get to listen, you know, which is cool. Um, but yeah, in in, uh, in high school, my senior year, a couple of friends had gotten guitars and were just kind of messing around. And I thought, oh, that'd be cool. I could, you know, hell, if you could do it, I could probably do it, you know, and um, didn't really think anything beyond that. It was just, oh, I'll have fun. And, you know, me and my friends will learn how to play guitar at the same time. Um but it pretty quickly took over and uh, <laughs> it was all, all I could think about. And, um, you know, right away, uh, not that they were good or that anyone would have wanted to hear them, but um, as I was learning how to play guitar, I was also kind of making up my own songs. Okay. Again, not, not really thinking anything of it. It was just, Oh, I learned this chord sequence. Let me see if I shift them around and do this and then add some words to it. Hey, I just wrote a song. That's cool. Um, they would have been shit, you know? <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, but it, it, again, it was one of those things that when you get a taste for it, you just want to keep doing it. And uh, so it didn't take long before I was playing in little coffee shops around Austin. I'd moved down to Austin at that point and um, started playing clubs and bars around there. And, and it just sort of snowballed. And um, probably around my junior year of college, um, is when I thought I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a go. You know, I'm 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 gonna see if, if I can keep this up and and not have to you know work a real job. So <laughs> and I get it. <laughs> Gibby, so, Gibby, hold on, Gibby. Have you made it far enough down the rabbit hole of of Jared's bio to understand that there's a Ryan Adams connection? Oh yeah, there's Ethan Johns. Okay, I wanted to make sure oh, I yeah. you got there, but I just wanted to make sure we covered it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I've been a Ryan Adams fan since, you know, Heartbreaker, and then I went back to Whiskey Town. And I think I've spent eight years of my life listening to Ryan Adams. So, um, you know. <laughs> it, it, that was one of those cool, like, full circle things for me where, um, you know, when I was in college, I learned about Ryan Adams and became obsessed with his songwriting and yeah. uh, and. And, and because of him, knew who Ethan Johns was. And then mm -hmm. he was then producing Ray Montaigne and yep. Kings of Leon and Laura Marling and did a record with Tom Jones. And uh, so I, I became obsessed with Ethan and everything that he was involved with. And uh, a handful of years ago, maybe 20, 
18 sort of sounds right. Uh, Ethan, who is also a great songwriter, um, was doing a tour of his own in the UK. And uh, I asked my my agent to pitch us to open the tour, even though like the rooms he was playing were the same rooms that we would play on our own. I was like, I just want to go out, you know, get to know this guy and see him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a blast. I mean, he he put on a great show. He's a phenomenal musician. Um, he was very very generous uh, with us. And um, the uh, the last song on Big Talk, the new record, I had kind of just written it around that time, and I was playing it every night. Uh, it's a song about my grandparents. And he said on a few occasions how much he he liked the song. Um, so when it came time to record the album. Uh, I knew that I wanted strings on that tune and, and I've always been a fan of the string arrangements that he's written for his productions and hit him up and asked him if he would do it. And, and very graciously, he agreed to do it. So, yeah, it was a, a very cool, you know, full circle thing when, when that happened. That's awesome. Skippy, that means you're the only one here without a Ryan Adams connection because I have one, too. Oh, no. Um, he and I, he and I <laughs> share. We share a birthday minute. Oh, my birthday gosh. ends right when his begins. So pretty go. much best, pretty much best friends. Essentially. I, mean, I wasn't going to tell you, but I feel like it's the time to I'm like feel like left out, Jared. Um, <laughs> I was also really impressed. I saw like the note about, and, and this is what caught me. And when I'm like, okay, I'm really going to go down this rabbit hole was someone compared to you. He reminds me of this cat, Graham Parsons. I was like, that's cool. Um, yeah. Grievous Angel is, is probably one of my top three favorite songs of all time. Yeah. So um, I'm curious, though. So let's go to Big Talk. Um, you released the album last year. It sounds like there was some conflict with the original, um, you know, record label. Um, I don't know how deep you want to go down that area, if you can. Right. I'm fascinated yeah. by it. I'm more than happy to talk about it. They didn't know I was in existence when I was on the record label. I can't imagine they're keeping tabs on me. <laughs> um, so was it just they signed you and like, it was, that's it? And then- Yeah, how did that work? It, uh, I mean, it's the age old story. It, it it feels almost like a rite of passage for a, for a musician to have a shitty experience with a record. Lost label. in the shuffle. Um, but yeah, it, it was the uh, the record before Big Talk called Red okay. Um, we had, uh, made it ourselves, you know, self-produced, self-financed, um, and it was totally in the can. Uh, the whole thing was mixed, mastered, artwork was done, everything. And we shopped it around to a few different labels and a uh, particular label who we won't name, but I will give you a hint and say they're the, uh, the label that very famously passed on signing the Beatles. Yikes. Oh, should have been a red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they missed again. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, over I, however many now. My my mistake was thinking that maybe they'd learned something in the you know decades that that had uh, come. Virtuous. Soon. You can't be faulted for that. It's an altruistic approach. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not a particularly unique story. They they picked up the record. Um, and we kind of thought we were going into it with our eyes open. You know, I, I had no thoughts of like, wow, I've made it now, you know, right. this, this one it. step. Yeah. Um, you know, we thought most likely what will happen is they will put out the record. It won't sell many copies because no records sell a bunch of copies. Right. We'll be stopped yeah. after one record, but the trade-off will be whatever they've done to market. It will have kind of got us up 
one rung on the ladder and and that yep, seemed yep. Like, a, like a fair trade-off yep. what, what we didn't really expect was that they just wouldn't do anything um, yeah. and so we delivered a completely finished record to them and they really just didn't do anything to market it we couldn't get the marketing team to answer an email or a phone call or come up with a plan there were so many mistakes made um just like you know lazy dumb mistakes that that really kind of hindered his chances of getting heard um yeah. and then it, it was supposed to be a, a worldwide release and and you know get a yeah. press campaign over here and in europe and all that and it just didn't happen they they sort of did a half-hearted one in the uk that was riddled with mistakes and then that was it and so we kind of kept kept arguing with them to try to get it properly released everywhere which was what it was supposed to have, have done you know yeah. as in the contract yeah um and they weren't going to do it you know they were essentially just going to shelve it um you know this record that they played no part in making <laughs> and, yeah right uh, as you can imagine i didn't like that very much and no. uh, um, so we we battled with them for about a year and a half to get the rights back to the record uh which we eventually did get them back for everywhere but the uk um and then we uh set a release date for spring of 2020 and we all know how that turned out <laughs> it was it's you so know, decent it's so disingenuous of them. Like they didn't pay you any attention. And then when you said, Hey, let's just go our separate ways. Then they care. Like that's when they felt like fighting you. Like yeah, you hear these stories and then you hear all those independent artists who are like, don't go with record labels, but I can see why like you, it gets you exposure. It amplifies your reach. Like there are a lot yeah. of valid reasons for it. So it's, I feel like, like you said, there's no way to avoid it. It's going to happen. And, and the, the, the kind of harsh reality is still that, you kind of need something you you need the yeah. machinery behind you to to realistically yeah. get in front of enough people to to eyes move and, the dial yeah, you know yeah. um, the flip side of that is you can get screwed over pretty badly <laughs> um, yeah. you know so yeah. it's uh, it's it's a hard road for for independent artists but uh, is that where the motivation for buckle under pressure from big talk came from i was going to say so that uh, so when when we were parting ways, the, the previous record label, I had a meeting with the head of A&R uh, where I was kind of airing my grievances and, and he was agreeing with pretty much everything and and uh, and even said like, wow, yeah, that was a big mistake. They shouldn't have done that. Ooh, they did that. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and uh, and finally, it was kind of like, well, how can we part ways and, you know, this be okay for everybody and and i just said just give me the record back you know that's yeah. all i want yeah. just give me the rights back we'll call yeah. it a day and he said yeah that's totally fair you know there's no reason why we can't do that and then uh a couple of weeks later i get an email from him saying i'm sorry but we're not going to be able to give you the rights back uh and <laughs> this happened right as i was making a 12-hour drive from texas back to nashville oh, uh, man. and so all of this was just stewing in my head for, for this whole drive. And that's when I wrote Buckle Under Pressure was on the drive, just all in my head. Uh, and I remember stopping for gas at one point and like getting my phone out and singing a little voice memo angrily. Yeah. And uh, by the time I got home, pulled out a guitar, played the voice memo, tried to figure out what chords I was, you know, needed to play under what I had been singing. And that was it. That was how the song was written. 
pissed off on a 12 hour drive. Um, <laughs> that's that's raw and real. I like that. <laughs> yeah. so, you seem so even tempered and calm, cool, and everything here. And like a lot of this album seems really pissed off, which, you know, or some yeah. of it. I won't say a lot of it, but like there are moments and I'm like, I wasn't sure what I was I was gonna get when when he joined or agreed to join. But like, um, but I mean, you, you, you didn't you didn't work for Universal. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, multi dimensional, right? You can play every card. That's good. Okay. I like that. Uh, so I'm curious on this 12 hour drive, and you just set this up. You you hit the segue of all segues. I usually have to set the stage where you know you're pumping gas and um, you're you've got a 12 hour drive ahead of you. And you need to eat Which, something. Gibby, kind of disrespectful to electric car owners, by the way. You're really cutting <laughs> off a whole subset of our audience. So let's just see if we can't refine that. Um, so what are you going into the gas station for to grab for a snack for the next six hours? Yeah, um, it's tricky. Tricky for me. Um, it wasn't as tricky at that point in my life. Uh, yep. But I, I am now a type 1 diabetic. Uh, that was my COVID souvenir. I wow. I got COVID um, right at the very beginning in March of 2020. We were on the road um, just before the world shut down. And um, I got COVID, the world shut down like the day, literally the next day. Um, so we drove home, rode it out at home, was sick for about six weeks, um, and then thought I was fine and, uh, you know, thought everything was cool. We were obviously locked away in our houses like everyone else, but um didn't think a lot of it uh but i started losing weight right around that same time and we kind of put it down to like oh well we're not on the road you're yeah. right, feel better you're sleeping more you're drinking a little less um yeah. you know it's it's fine this is good uh we yeah. started going out for like three mile walks every day just to get out of the house yeah um but then it just kind of kept going and and at some point I kind of realized, hang on, I'm skinnier than I've ever been in my life, and I've never been that skinny, uh, and I'm not doing anything to make it happen. And I have tried that before, and it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and, and like all of a sudden, you know, I, I have like a flat stomach, and I can sort of see my ribs, and I've <laughs> lost 45 pounds. Okay, okay. Maybe, maybe there's not some magic number in your mid-30s where your metabolism just randomly decides, hey, you know, <laughs> right. Why not? You were close to maybe becoming one of those Instagram influencers. Who are like, here's how you lose a bunch of weight. Follow yeah. me. I'll show you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Step one. Let it kill your pancreas. <laughs> get type uh, diabetes, but don't know about it. <laughs> You're going to look great. That's the uh, secret. For... So, yeah, finally, finally went to the doctor and, uh, and yeah, that's what it was. It, it basically that's killed. Fun killed the cells in my pancreas that that produce insulin so now uh, my body just doesn't doesn't make insulin on its own making me type one uh, so all that to say uh eating eating and drinking is is a lot trickier now i i have to calculate yeah. however many carbs are in whatever i eat or drink and that determines how much insulin i take and um so yeah eating eating on the road particularly like a, a gas station stop it's tough there, there ain't much for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe if you could find like some unsalted, unflavored nuts. I was um, going to say almonds. Let's yeah, get you some yeah, almonds. Like that, yeah. that, that can kind of work, uh, you know, or 
cheese <laughs> or meat. <laughs> jerky is jerky in play or not? Oh, really? yeah, that's that's all, right? As long as it's you know not not like dipped in honey barbecue like sauce. Pretty natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. just doused in sugar to make it taste. Yeah. Good. yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, my my uh, my gas station munchies. It doesn't really exist anymore. I, I kind of try to travel with whatever I'm going to have. Yeah. What's that? What's your go-to like travel snack? Uh, I will. I will a lot of times bring like you know almonds, pecans, that kind of thing on yep. the road. Um, I mean, that's about it as far as snacks. I, I, I don't really snack a lot to be honest. Um, Good. But eating on the road is tricky anyway, just because you know it's it's hard to find you know, fast food. You're out of your routine. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, with with being type one, routine is is key. Yeah, and being on the road, uh, the only routine is absence of routine. So yeah, it's uh it's tricky, but you know, you you adapt, you learn how to deal with it, and keep going. So, yeah, I mean, that's I guess that's all you can do. It's a good mindset. Yeah, I'm curious, what's next? Excuse me, what's next? Um, are you writing? Or are you writing consistently as you're? you know, going out on like two week tours or you, do you have any tours coming up that you're, you're planning or locations that you want to target? Uh, everywhere. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we, we'd be on the road, you know, 250 days a year if we could. So, um, as much as we can tour, we're happy to do it. Um, we are looking like we're going to be in the UK this summer and, and maybe cool. parts of Europe doing some festivals and some other things. Um, and then hopefully, you know, hopefully some other support tours will come through. Uh, we'll probably do a UK headline run later in the year. Um, but yeah, just kind of taking it as it comes. Um, as far as writing goes, I don't really write on the road. Um, there's not much yeah. usable time on the road. Yep. There's, there's a lot of yeah. waiting around, but not, it's not it's not very useful time. That's the answer we've gotten from a few folks now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people that do it, you know, they'll sit in their hotel room and write a song. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm since I typically do all the driving, at least when we're in, in the U S um, uh, or mainland Europe, uh, there's just not a lot of time. And by yeah, the time yeah. you're, you, you're get somewhere, it's kind of like, right. I just got to decompress and then you're it's gassed. To do the right. yeah. um, so writing for me happens when we're off the road. You know, it's okay. got an extended period where I can kind of work on it little by little each day. That's that's when it typically happens for me. So last question I have, and I don't know if you have one, Maddie, if you want to go ahead. On, go ahead. But, um, yeah. So um, who's on your Spotify playlist right now that some of, you know, our listeners or, or you know, your fans might not know about that uh, yeah. they should go check out? Uh, well, one of them, I've, I've got their T-shirt on. Oh, sweet. Uh, you can Very see nice. that guy named jp Ruggieri. he's a he's a good friend um he uh has played on the last couple records uh okay incredible guitar player uh he actually mixed big talk as well okay one of those guys that can do it all Uh, and he's a phenomenal songwriter um he put out a killer record last year also called gradually descend into chaos i like that and uh, yeah definitely definitely check him out um who else david ford who i mentioned earlier another good friend um he put out a record called love and death which is a a really beautiful album um 
Who else? Uh, well, I was listening to, to Dylan LeBlanc's new record a lot. Um, yeah. Coyote, which is a, a great album. Um, and he's such a good songwriter. Um, well, that's all that's coming to mind. It's okay. We put you on the good I mean, you gave yeah. us three. That's yeah, those are all good ones. I love when I hear them. I, I love to just like hear. I try to make my way around a bunch of different type of music. I know Gibby does this a lot, but it's cool to hear some names I never heard of because there's so much talent out there. Yeah, like, there's a lot of just lot like of people. For everybody like you who's super talented, there's like a bunch of other people. And however it happens in life, you end up in front of different stages and different situations. But there's just like so much good music out there. It's cool. It's a good time. Right well, Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, incredible um you know everyone go out listen to big talk you're going to hear a little clip at the beginning and the end of the show um from big talk uh i i can't stop listening to buckle under pressure i think i mentioned in the email i like went to a sales call and i was listening to it trying to get fired up pumped you up yeah um, we don't know if it worked yet we're waiting for the email okay back. But, TBD. Hey, better, better that song than prefer to lose. Probably not the, <laughs> the wrong vibe for that type of meeting. Yeah. Yeah. But this is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it was good to have you. Our pleasure. Now the kids that we raised have long since turned gray and it's hard to believe how quickly it passed oh it went by so fast and now we're playing our final scene though the time has surely come to finally close my eyes as long as you're here I'll never, my dear, be ready to say goodnight. Oh, as long as you're here, I could never, my dear, be ready to say goodnight.